You're listening to you're listening to the Jimmy Z Show. The Jimmy Z Show. The Jimmy Z Jimmy Z Show is produced, written, and directed by Jimmy Z. The show is wholly owned by Jimmy Z, all rights reserved. Content from other sources belong to the copyright holder and or speaker. In each case, Jimmy Z can be reached via email at the Jimmy Z Show at gmail.com. The Jimmy Z Show is produced, written, and directed by Jimmy Z. The show is wholly owned by Jimmy Z, all rights reserved. Content from other sources belong to the copyright holder and or speaker. In each case, Jimmy Z can be reached via email at the Jimmy Z Show at gmail.com. You can't hold a whole fraternity responsible for the behavior of a few sick... Perverted individuals? For if you do, then shouldn't we blame the whole fraternity system? And if the whole fraternity system is guilty, then isn't this an indictment of our educational institutions in general? I put it to you, Greg. Isn't this an indictment of our entire American society? Well... You can do what you want to us, but we're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And now, Nationwide Boss Talk Radio KJZS presents The Jimmy Z Show. Now, according to my schedule, you have exactly one hour to indulge in childish nonsense. Jimmy? Big Dog is always right. As always, should you or any of your force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. Hello? everybody it's me jimmy z the big jimmy z show i want to thank you for listening and thank you for sharing this program i am jimmy z of the people for the people right here in your ear all right i have got an enormous list of crap And I'm trying to remember, what was the last day we talked? Was it Sunday? I think it was Sunday because I came home tired and and just out of it on Monday. And then yesterday, I came damn close to doing a show. And then there was a great episode of Star Trek on television. So that was it for the show yesterday but here we are doing it on Wednesday as I record this program it's Wednesday evening 
March 24th. And this is the Jimmy Z Show. Now, I got to tell you that again, just in case you forget what you're listening to. That would be terrible. So I think it's important to say, yeah, this is the Jimmy Z Show. I am Jimmy Z, your host. And, you know, all that stuff. Okay? Is that enough of that? I'm telling you, so much to go through, so much audio. I could sit here and do three hours easy. I'm hoping to get to, to uh, two hours because I can't do three hours. Three, each hour that I produce, you're listening, and the hour takes an hour. And like I like to say, most of my hours are, you know, feel like 27 minutes or 25 minutes. Because they're just so great, they go by so fast. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the thing is, the hour you listen to takes me at least, at least 90 minutes to put together. And most of the time, close to two hours. It takes about twice as long to produce as it takes to listen to it. And that's because I, there's so much professionalism involved. <laughs> so many things that I do to make this program more fun. And that is, uh, you know, setting up audio. That takes a little while. Uh, setting up that brilliant two minutes that starts the program with a bunch of crap. And that that is just, you know, so important. It's important to me, so you get that. And I've, I've cut it down from four or five minutes to about two minutes at the urging of my boss. Who seems to be the boss of the show now. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that. But that's fine. It's a good suggestion. Because somebody might tune in for the first time and start hearing uh, five minutes of uh, just junk. Right? Stupid songs. Stupid TV quotes. uh, Stuff that doesn't seem to go together. And tune out. Who was it that I was, uh, oh, I was concerned about somebody doing something with a, with a show, and I, I can't talk about it because the criticism that I have would be hurtful. And if I talked about it, he or she would know who I was talking about right away, so I'm not going to do that. And if you send me an email and ask me who it is, I might tell you. But if you're the, <laughs> if you're the person who I'm referring to here, I won't tell you. So anybody, <laughs> if you send me an email and I refuse to answer, then you know who I was thinking about. Oh boy, what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> oh, that's too funny. All right, work is busy. So um, <clears throat> that's another reason. I, I, I do a lot of mathematical stuff, believe it or not. As often as I do something wrong mathematically on the program here, I do mathematical stuff all day at work, and I check my work as I go because the type of work that I do has to be done correctly, and it's got to be done down to the hundredth and correct. And if it's not correct, then there could be legal ramifications. And so I'm very careful with what I'm doing at work and it's taxing. I get home and I'm like, oh, God, I just want to put on TV. And when I watch TV, 
Oh, good. I've just remembered what I was going to talk about as far as television goes. Um, but when I watch TV, I usually watch old television programs. Like I told you, I'm buying the DVD set for Hawaii Five O, the original Hawaii Five O with Jack Lord from, uh, I think it ran 1969 to 1981. And it's great. It's, I enjoy it so much. But I do watch a lot of classic television. And the main reason for that is if you watch modern television, it's loaded with crappy messages all the way through. And I, I don't want that. Like, for instance, the people who put together uh, uh, Law & Order SVU, which I kind of like, they've got everybody in masks. Now, if you watch Blue Bloods with Tom Selleck, they don't have people in masks. The problem with doing a television show, oh, the, the other television show I kind of liked was Bull on CBS, and they've got everybody in masks on that show as well. The problem with that is that when you watch that program uh, 10 years from now, if there's you know a couple of episodes you really liked and you watch the reruns every now and then, because that show's going to be around. The, most of these popular television programs are going to be around forever. And so, yeah, here I am. I just realized I'm just rambling about television when I've got a big pile of crap to get to. So let me finish this quickly. These programs that you watch five years, eight years, ten years from now, you're going to see the episodes with the masks on, and it's going to take you right back to the scandemic, and you're going to start thinking about all of that stuff that was going on and the business you lost and the jobs you lost and all of, all of the things you went through, and it's not going to be fun. So I think it's a mistake for these producers to make a series of television programs with the masks on, on their stars' faces. And by the way, these people, these actors and actresses, and I know everybody's an actor now. That's another thing is that uh, there's only one word, actor. It doesn't matter if they're male or female, but I still refer to these people as actors and actresses. But these people, their face is their career. And they're covering, in some cases, it looks like two-thirds of their face with a stupid freaking mask. How lame is that? You take care of your face. Actors and actresses do so much to protect their face because their face is their career. Not their shoulders, not their chest. Well, <laughs> I guess some women, uh, some female actresses are... That's redundant right there. Female actress. No, it's either an actor, actor or an actress. But, you know, there's different parts of the body are important, I'm sure. But nothing more important than the face. And it's just ridiculous to have these people in masks. Anyway, so I watch a lot of older television. And I enjoy that because it doesn't have a message other than the story they're telling. Remember that back in the day when they used to tell stories on television programs? Either in a comedy or a, a drama, they would have a story, a plot, a point, and not a political agenda to try and preach. And there was some of it, like MASH. There was some preaching, anti-war preaching in that. But 
you know, it was tolerable because the show was so great and the comedy was so awesome. Anyway, so um, that's a couple of bits on uh, television, why I watch the kind of shows I watch. Oh, Get Smart. Man, oh man, what a great program that is. Even when, you know what I noticed about Get Smart is that even after um, uh, 86 and 99 got married, the show was still great. Now, how many programs do you know that if they change the overall uh, plot, and they changed the fact, like, there was always that sexual tension. The the fact that the two people were attracted to each other. And then, I think it was, uh, uh, I Dream of Jeannie. It kind of took a dump after Tony and the Jeannie got married. But it didn't happen with Get Smart. It was just as good as it was before. Just a brilliant program such good writing so funny endlessly funny but um i have hang on a second i'm gonna key code my way into my phone i took a picture of an ad i got from uh, at&t and this is a great example oh my god <laughs> i did the funniest thing on facebook today i almost want to talk about it because yeah, I probably will. And then I'll wonder at the end of the first hour why I didn't get to anything. But hey, this is interesting stuff. Humorous as well. Okay, um, AT&T sent me an invitation in the mail to uh, get their uh, high-speed television or whatever they call it. And the, the basic AT&T choice package for cable television is $65, $64.99 plus tax. What else do they say here? I got to move my glasses down so I can read this. And I still can't read it. I got to zoom in. Jeez. I hate this. I get this getting older stuff with the glasses. And Anyway, uh, $64.99 a month for 12 months plus taxes and regional sports fee. So that means the teams that you watch on television get a regional sports fee paid to them so that the cable company can carry their sporting event. There's one thing about sports, be it baseball, basketball, football, whatever it is, hockey, they get money from everyone who watches them on television. Unless you're like me and you have an antenna on the roof and I watch whatever I can watch with the antenna. And I get a boatload of television stations, but a lot of them are Hispanic. A lot of them are Asian. Sometimes I, I turn the Asian channel on <laughs> and turn it up loud to make my neighbors think that I can understand all this uh, hoopla going on on the Asian channels. Anyway, uh, then they say here that uh, you can get a 24-month plan, but the price is higher in the second year. Regional sports fee up to $8.49 a month is extra and applies. eight fifty a month. So now we're talking about uh, 79 and 93, this, uh, God, 
my brain is turned off here. But uh, you know, now you're talking almost ten dollars more for an introductory rate, and after the first year or two, the price goes up. I'm sorry, but television is not worth. This is me talking now. You may think that it's totally worth the money that you're paying. But for me, uh, $70, $80 a month to watch television when I can get a bunch of channels free. Now, you're going to get stuff on cable or satellite that I can't get. Oh, well, guess what? There's stuff I get that you can't get. So it's amazing to me how much, how very expensive it is to go with cable. And I can't believe how much money, if I add it up, how much money I've saved. I'm going to do it real quick here. I'll give you a number. Let's call it the basic cable rate. And I know it hasn't always been 70. We'll call it 70. It hasn't always been 70, but you know, some people spend 90, 95, 100, 110 dollars. I knew somebody who was spending an 150 dollars a month for television. That did not include his uh, wireless telephone. It didn't include his internet. It was 150 dollars for television. So let's call it 70. Because I remember back when I had roommates and we did split the bill. It was like $75, $80, $90 a month back then. So I'm going to call it 70 And we'll make it times 12 So that's $840 a year. I haven't had cable in at least 25 years. So we'll make that times 25 And the number is $21,000. All right, $21,000 I have saved over 25 years. And I don't have that money sitting anywhere in an account. I am not driving a $21,000 car. So I don't know where the money went, but I didn't spend it on television, which is a good thing. All right? Okay, that's really something right there. That's important talk show stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're listening to the Jimmy Z Show, and we are continuing with uh, some really cool audio. I think you're really going to enjoy this. I loved it the first time I heard it, and you got to pay attention because she talks pretty fast. But this is a young woman. She looks to be about uh, 22, very well spoken, and I don't know how long. I don't know how long she rehearsed this. I think she rehearsed it because she nailed it on the video. And she has just about had it with everything. If I say all lives matter, I'm a racist. If I stand for my flag, I have to apologize for it. I'm not allowed to go to church, but I can burn churches to the ground. I'm not allowed to open my own business, but I can go loot and destroy other people's businesses. If I wear a badge, have a gun, and I'm dressed in blue, I'm a racist pig. But if I walk around destroying my city with bricks and masks, I'm considered a peaceful protester. I'm not allowed to peacefully protest the lockdown at my capital, but I can go destroy and graffiti my capital. I'm not allowed to go to the park to play 
t-ball with my family, but I can destroy the park. I'm not allowed to protect our historical monuments and history, but I can go tear them down and have them land on top of people. I'm not allowed to have an opinion on racial matters because I'm white, but if I don't have an opinion on it, I'm the reason why people are oppressed. I can go riot in the streets with the BLM, but if I go to a Trump rally, COVID-19 magically appears. Does anyone else not see the hypocrisy in all of this? I am done with your bullshit. Unfortunately, it does not say who she is, what her name is. I wish I could give her credit, but this is not her tweet. It's a video that somebody else put on their tweet, so I'm not going to give them credit. Anybody can do that. And nothing against them, but who deserves the credit is the young woman speaking. Very well done. What she's done here has gone viral. Okay, the next thing is at the Daily Wire. And by the way, of course, this is, we we are right in the middle of rapid fire news and commentary. Oh, oh, yeah. All righty, where am I here? Right here. Oh, this is the Daily Wire on Twitter. And this is Democrat. This is not audio, unfortunately. It's just a picture of a fat woman. Democrat Senator Tammy Duckworth said, I will only vote for Biden nominees who are racial minorities or LGBTQ. All right, so is that not racist? Is that not bigoted? So she's not, if uh, Biden nominates somebody who is white, even if that person has all the left-wing credentials, and believes in all the leftist policies, she's not going to vote for them because they're not they're not a racial minority or LGBTQ. Well, I guess the white person could be LGBTQ, but they, uh, you know, might be straight. <sighs> Good grief. And this woman is a horrendous thing to see. I'm sorry. Tammy Duckworth. Okay, go away, Candace. Every time you open up an, an article at the Daily Wire, you get a picture of uh, Candace Owens. And I, I used to like seeing her, but now she's bothering me. It's because there's a, um, there, there's a documentary about her. Now, she's been on the scene for what? Two years? Two and a half, three years? And there's already a documentary film about her? Come on. I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's overblown media crap on our side as well. Uh, Democrat Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois was slammed on Tuesday for remarks about Joe Biden. Oh, see what I did there? I got to bleep that out. Hold on. This is so funny. I am quicker to bleep the P word when I'm talking about the potato the potato-in-chief. I'm quicker to bleep the word I'm not going to use with his name than I am a curse word. I I just cannot stand the idea of calling that guy president. So I'm not going to do it. So I went back because I was reading it, and what what I try to do is replace that word with potato, and then I feel better about it somehow. But let me read this paragraph again. This is the way it should go. Democrat Senator Tammy Duckworth 
was slammed on Tuesday for remarks about potato Joe Biden's nominees that were widely panned as racist and bigoted. She said, I am a no vote on the floor on all non-diversity nominees. She said, you know, I will vote for racial minorities and I will vote for LGBTQ, but anybody else I'm not voting for. This is what Democrats are all about. This woman is a straight-up bigot, and we're supposed to put up with it, and we're supposed to believe that white people are the reason why there's so much racism and division. This woman, wow, man, that is just unfreaking believable The New York Post reported that Duckworth made, uh, said she made her decision after White House Deputy Chief of Staff Jennifer O'Malley Dillon made an incredibly insulting remark Monday evening after Biden spoke on a webcast. Dylan, Biden's 20... Did I say president here? I don't think so. I'm rereading what I read. Uh, Dylan, Biden's 2020 campaign manager, allegedly suggested to Duckworth that Asian Americans should be content with Vice President Kamala Harris's role. <laughs> Who are these people? So wound up over race and division and and focusing on race. Stop it. I don't care what your skin color is. I care about your values. I care about your character. I care about what you find is important and whether or not that, that policy or that issue or the way you see that issue is good for America and good for the American citizens. Otherwise, I don't care what freaking color you are. I do not care. Anyway, so that's her spin there. That's the reason why she said she's only going to make racist votes. What a knothead. Jeez, I, I just can't stand this stuff. It really drives me nuts. Ted Cruz obliterates the push for gun control after the... And we're going to end up talking about this off and on on a regular basis, but let me give you a bottom line here. The gun control that, uh, that the potato is considering enacting with a, uh, with a executive order is absolutely and positively unconstitutional. You cannot write away. When I say write W I W R I T E, you cannot, you cannot sign away the people's right to bear arms with an executive order. The only way you can do it, and they're talking about confiscating, mandatory confiscation. And uh, I've got some articles, we'll get to a lot of this, but the point is you cannot confiscate weapons. It's against the Constitution. And so you would have to amend the Constitution, and they're not going to be able to do that. They're never going to get through all of the hoops that the amendment process demands. It's just never going to happen. So if Biden tries this, there will be a lawsuit, and the courts will find in our favor. Don't worry about it. Anyway, Ted Cruz. This is Ted Cruz talking about the gun control advocates that have been, as soon as the Boulder shooting happened, the gun control advocates came out of the woodwork. 
Once again, we wake up to a horrific act of mass murder. All of us lift up in prayer the families in Boulder, Colorado, the families in Atlanta that lost their lives, including the police officer in Boulder, Colorado. I can tell you in Texas, we've seen far too many of these. I was in Santa Fe the morning of that shooting. Santa Fe High School is less than an hour from my house. I was in El Paso at the Walmart for yet another senseless mass murder. I was in Dallas where five police officers were murdered by a radical. I was in Sutherland Springs in that beautiful sanctuary where a monster murdered innocent people. I've been to too damn many of these. Senator from Connecticut just said, it's time for us to do something. I agree. It is time for us to do something. And every time there's a shooting, we play this ridiculous theater where this committee gets together and proposes a bunch of laws that would do nothing to stop these murders. Senator from Connecticut just said the folks on the other side of the aisle have no solutions. Well, the senator from Connecticut knows that is false. And he knows that's false because Senator Grassley and I together introduced legislation, Grassley-Cruz, targeted at violent criminals, targeted at felons, targeted at fugitives, targeted at those with serious mental disease to stop them from getting firearms, to put them in prison when they try to illegally buy guns. What happens in this committee after every mass shooting is Democrats propose taking away guns from law-abiding citizens, because that's their political objective. But what they propose, not only does it not reduce crime, it makes it worse. The jurisdictions in this country with the strictest gun control have among the highest rates of crime and murder. When you disarm law-abiding citizens, you make them more likely to be victims. If you want to stop these murders, go after the murderers. Grassley Cruz came to a vote on the floor of the Senate in 2013. It got a majority vote on the floor of the Senate. Fifty-two senators voted for Grassley Cruz in the Harry Reid Democratic Senate. Nine Democratic senators voted for Grassley Cruz, the most bipartisan support of any of the comprehensive legislation. So why did it pass into law? Because Democratic senators, including many of the senators in this room, including the senator from Connecticut who just said Republicans have no answers, filibustered the law and prevented it from passing. Demanded 60 votes. If Grassley Cruz had passed into law, Sutherland Springs very likely would not have happened. Why is that? Because the shooter there, the murderer there, had a conviction in the Air Force that the Obama Air Force failed to report to the background check system. And Grassley Cruz mandated an audit of all of the convictions to make sure the background check database has those felonies in it. Not only that, Grassley Cruz mandated that when a felon tries to illegally buy a firearm, that the Department of Justice prosecute them. The Department of Justice has a long and I think indefensible practice of not prosecuting felons and fugitives who try to illegally buy guns. If Grassley Cruz had passed, the gun crimes task force that it had created would have charged prosecutors with going after gun criminals, locking them up, and putting them in prison. That's how we prevent these. Now, we will learn in the coming days and weeks the exact motivation of the murderers in Atlanta and Boulder, Colorado. 
We'll learn what happened there. But we already know this pattern is predictable over and over and over again. There are steps we can take to stop these crimes. And you know what the steps aren't? The steps aren't disarming law-abiding citizens. Every year, firearms are used in a defensive capacity to defend women, children, families, roughly a million times a year in the United States. And the Democrats who want to take away the guns from those potential victims would create more victims of crimes, not less. I agree it's a time for actions. And by the way, I don't apologize for thoughts or prayers. I will lift up in prayer people who are hurting. And I believe in the power of prayer. And the contempt of Democrats for prayers is an odd sociological thing. But I also agree thoughts and prayers alone are not enough. We need action. Today, Chair Chairman Grassley and I are introducing again Grassley-Cruz, and I would ask Senate Democrats, including some of our newer colleagues who just got here, not to participate again in the shameful filibuster that this body engaged in in 2013. Let's target the bad guys, the felons, the fugitives, those with mental disease. Let's put them in jail. Let's stop them from getting guns. Let's not scapegoat innocent law-abiding citizens, and let's not target their constitutional rights. Hey Mike, have you heard of the Jimmy Z Show? Yeah Crystal, the Jimmy Z Show is awesome. Which topic do you like most? I like them all. They are all lots of fun. Do you have a favorite? I just like Jimmy Z. His voice is so hot. Okay, but what about his politics? What politics? The politics he talks about on the Jimmy Z Show. I never noticed any politics. All I hear is the velvety smooth dulcet tone of Jimmy Z's sizzling, sexy, scintillating voice. Holy mackerel. The Jimmy Z Show. I want this station put under emergency quarantine immediately. Yes, sir. Cork, what is going on here? What does it look like? It looks like business as usual, but that's impossible because all shops and businesses have been closed until further notice. Except, of course, for essential station operations. For which this place hardly qualifies. I don't think they'd agree. This quarantine has everybody on edge, Constable. Would you deprive them of a little harmless diversion? They'd be safer in their quarters. I don't know which disgusts me more, your cowardice or your stupidity. Jimmy Z. Welcome Jimmy Z and the Jimmy Z Show back for more. I am Jimmy Z. Talk about a stimulus package. <laughs> All right, that was great stuff from Ted Cruz. You know, I don't know if I've ever heard Ted Cruz sound better. And that's exactly what we need because... This idea that you're going to take guns away from law-abiding citizens 
just because some lunatic went crazy. You got to stop the lunatics. You don't take guns away from people. You know, what if somebody uses a, uh, a Chevy van to kill 10 or 12 or 15 people, God forbid, at uh, some kind of function downtown Los Angeles or uh, uh, Dallas, Denver, Minneapolis, wherever? You're going to take vans away from everyone? Of course not. Stop the nonsense. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, by the way, the people are not going to put up with it. I am, I've, I am fully, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm fully convinced that the American people are not going to put up with any kind of shenanigans like uh, a mandatory gun buyback on a federal level. That's what the leftists want. They want to have a federal mandate, uh, uh, not lethal weapon, the um, assault rifle, assault weapons buyback that you must turn in your assault rifle and the federal government will pay you for it. That's never going to happen. That's never going to happen in the United States. I think it happened in Australia, but it's not going to happen here. Australia doesn't have a Second Amendment. We do. And we're not giving it up. It's that simple. It's not a big deal. It's very simple. It's not hard to understand. We have the Second Amendment. We're not putting up with Democrat shenanigans, especially because, and it's, it's not even as much because of the Second Amendment, but because it makes no freaking sense. Taking guns away from law-abiding citizens who have never used a gun to kill anyone, in most cases, and the people who did kill someone who are law-abiding, did so in self-defense. So there you go. There's no reason on earth, no reason, no spin, no rationale that Democrats can use that makes sense, that, that makes it sensible to take guns away from law-abiding citizens. All right? How's that? I think we agree. And... We'll move on with more. Oh, I don't have the right. Oh, that's not the right file. Hang on a second. Yes, we're going to have more rapid fire news and commentary. Ah, yeah, that's the perfect time for that, too, when we're talking about the right to bear arms. Ah, you betcha. (laughs) Oh, brother. All right, now, this is the senator from California that was picked by Governor Gavin Newsom to replace Kamala Lama Ding Dong after she became uh, the running mate with the potato. And here, he's talking about, well, basically, he's making the claim, excuse me, he's making the claim that it's easier to buy a gun than it is to vote. You know, for most states, the age required to legally purchase a rifle and the age required to cast a ballot are both 18. However, there's some shocking disparities in uh, legal state requirements for 
obtaining a weapon versus casting a ballot. In 25 states, voters must be registered and have specific forms of ID in order to cast a ballot. But those same states allow people to buy rifles without permits and require no background checks for some sales. Additionally, in a majority of states, new voters are able to obtain a rifle quicker than they're able to cast their first ballot. It seems to me that we have our priorities entirely backwards when it comes to this, when we make it easier to buy a gun than we do to cast a ballot. Okay, I'm not even sure, really, how to describe how ridiculous this argument is. Because ultimately, and I'm not going to talk about what is true and what is false. Because you know already, if you're listening to my show, you know that most of what he said is, is crapola. But what I am going to talk about is this, this idea that we would compare the process to casting a ballot to buying a gun. It's, it's a complete non sequitur. It makes no sense whatsoever to compare one with the other. And the fact is, most people who buy a gun legally treat the gun with respect and are law-abiding citizens, unlike the guy who shot up Boulder, Colorado. In the case of voting, just last November, we had an enormous amount of voter fraud and election tampering. And we're supposed to look the other way. I just don't see the, the parallel or the comparison at all. The fact is, we have a right to bear arms. And I was thinking about this, the way it's worded is that the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. That means coming into it before we even started the United States of America, you had a right to defend yourself. You had a right to bear arms. And all they did was confirm it in the Second Amendment, saying that the right to bear arms, which you already possess, shall not be infringed. That's what's insinuated there, is that you already have the right to bear arms. Whether it be a gun or a knife or a pointed stick. Right, now, self-defense. Tonight, I shall be carrying on from where we got to last week. When I was showing you how to defend yourselves against anyone who attacks you armed with a piece of fresh fruit. Oh, you promised we wouldn't do fruit this week. What do you mean? Well, we've done fresh fruit for the last nine weeks. What's wrong with fruit? You think you know it all, eh? Well, can't we try something else? Like someone who attacks you with a pointed stick. Pointed stick? Oh, oh, oh. We want to learn how to defend ourselves against pointed sticks, do we? Getting all high and mighty, eh? Fresh fruit not good enough for you, eh? Well, let me tell you something, my lad. 
When you're walking home tonight and some great homicidal maniac comes after you with a bunch of Logan Breeze, don't come cry to me. All right, Mash, Matt Walsh. Mash? Let me try that again. Matt Walsh on Twitter responded to Senator Padilla. Matt said, this is flat-out bullshit, a total lie. It makes zero sense. It's not even remotely close to resembling the truth. Yet Democrats say it all the time and never get fact-checked on it. Fact-checked. And that's true. You're going to hear a lot more of it, too, comparing how easy it is to get a gun, which it, it, you know Padilla knows here in California, it's not easy at all. But voting is so difficult. <laughs> I have never found voting difficult, like, like hard to get to the polling place, hard to figure out how to operate the machine. No, it's very simple. And you know what? If you can't figure out how to vote, I don't want you voting. I just don't. Don't vote. If it's too difficult to get a voter ID, to get identification, to prove who you are, then don't vote. It's that simple. Next up. This is a young woman. In the picture, she looks like, uh, I don't know, 28, 26, something like that mid to late 20s. Her name is Hemo Javery or Jahavery, whatever. It matters. And she's upset because Oral Roberts University is involved in the Final Four and they're doing pretty well. Um, I, I don't care about the Final Four. It's not my thing. College basketball doesn't interest me much at all. But this story, you've got to hear this. She says, March Madness loves a Cinderella story, and this year it's Oral Roberts University. They started as a 15 seed. They destroyed brackets by toppling number two, Ohio State, and they defeated number seven, Florida, on Sunday. Part of the joy, she says, of March Madness has always been watching smaller schools upset the powerhouse programs. Because everyone loves an underdog, Oral Roberts has become a fan favorite. And yet, as the spotlight grows on Oral Roberts University, and it reaps the goodwill and publicity and revenue of a national title run, the university's deeply bigoted anti-LGBTQ policies can't and shouldn't be ignored. So, because it's a Christian university, and I think somewhere in here she talks about uh, Christ Christianity being archaic, then, uh, you know, we can't have Oral Roberts in the Final Four being successful. Now, the bigot here is her. She is a faith bigot. You know, if she doesn't agree, just leave Oral Roberts University alone. There's how many universities out there teaching our children, and when I say our children, I mean America's children, and they're teaching young skulls full of mush, like Rush Limbaugh used to describe the young minds going to high school and college. There are so many schools 
teaching crap and indoctrinating children in things that we don't agree with and that we think are dangerous, immoral, and uh, unconstitutional, that I think this woman can put up with Oral Roberts University. For God's sake. Also, she says, as part of their honor code, the university requires students to abide by a pledge saying that they will not engage in homosexual activity. <gasps> oh my God. <clears throat> and that they will not and that they will not be united in marriage other than between uh, one man and one woman. As a private university and under the banner of fundamentalist Christian beliefs, the school is free to impose whatever standards of behavior they see fit even if those standards are wildly out of line with modern society. I don't give a freaking hoot. Almost said something different. <clears throat> I don't give a damn about, how did she put it? Uh, about modern society and the basic values of human decency. Those are her words. Quote, unquote, human decency of modern society. Nope. I care about what God says. And Oral Roberts University is standing up for traditional values and family values, not modern society and the bullcrap surrounding uh, the, quote, basic values of human decency. And, and how humanly decent is she attacking a university for following beliefs that she doesn't share this is the united states of america we can believe whatever we want i talked to people on miwi and there were a boatload of people there that believed in things that i don't believe in i argued with them but i didn't tell them they can't believe what they believe or that they were evil for having such beliefs That Oral Roberts wants, this is um, continuing with what this, uh, what this faith bigot woman has to say about Oral Roberts University. I love it when godless people and atheists and uh, disbelievers attack Christianity, which they obviously, so obviously do not understand. She says that Oral Roberts wants to keep its students tied to toxic notions of fundamentalism. So now it's toxic. That fetishize chastity, abstinence, and absurd hemlines. <laughs> oh God, she's got so many hangups. Look, if you want to be a slut, be a slut. Just don't go to Oral Roberts University. And what do you care? There are... Just by comparison, there are just a few Christian universities that stand up for biblical values. But there are hundreds and hundreds of universities and colleges that believe as this woman does. So go to one of those universities and have fun. Root for one of those universities in the final four. Leave Oral Roberts University alone. She says the NAA or the NCAA has always been more about paying lip service to ideals of equality and inclusion than action. 
But Oral Roberts' inclusion in the men's tournament proves how little the NCAA cares. They actually care about those words which are emblazoned on their basketball courts. Yet Oral Roberts, with its decrees banning homosexual conduct, stating that marriage is between is only between a man and a woman, and specifically banning male students from wearing makeup. Oh, oh my God, no. Oh no, male students can't wear makeup. <laughs> Earned a ticket to the big dance, even though the university's foundations expressly go against the very things the NCAA say they value. In fact, any and all anti-LGBTQ plus language in any school policies should ban them from NCAA competition. <laughs> you whiny woman. I was going to say something else. I don't know if I use the word bitch. I don't know if that's, um, I don't know how people react if I say that this woman is a whiny bitch. Seems like sometimes, yeah, you don't want to use that word too much. Even though that's kind of what she is. All right, once again, I'm going to mention Harry and Meghan McCarkle. Or Marco Mockle? Whatever. Um, but I'm not talking about them. They have a new strategist. Ooh, because, you know, they need to, um, I don't know, they need to prepare her for running for president. And the strategist's name is Genevieve Roth. And she believes that all white people have internalized racism. Let me say it again. She believes that all white people have internalized racism. Now, and, and this is a white woman, Genevieve Roth. I, I don't understand. I, this, this parade of, of racism accusations is really getting old. Really getting old. Uh, this woman, Roth, wrote an essay back in 2020 in which she says she is rife with internalized racism. Oh, she's talking about herself. See, that's the deal. She is projecting her own problems and, and her own racist tendencies on other people. She says she is rife with internalized racism and unconscious bias, and so are all non-black people. <laughs> What a piece of crap. What a load of nonsense. <laughs> According to her essay, Roth's, manage, uh, Roth's marriage to a black man opened her eyes to her white privilege and, quote, racist tendencies written in at a cellular level. So it's not even something that you're taught. It's in your human cells. Wow. This woman must be brilliant if she has made this this discovery of, of racism in human cells. She cites as an example how she casually mentioned to her husband that her license plates were nearly expired and he got very upset telling her if a cop pulled them over, he could be killed. Oh, brother. That guy's a real genius, too. <laughs> God. <laughs> Look, all you have to do is pull the car over and say, yes, sir. No, sir. 
and keep your hands on the steering wheel. Don't start getting crazy. Don't be stupid with the police officer. I'm not going to play it right now, but um, if you haven't seen it, you should uh, look up on YouTube, Chris Rock, How Not to Get Hurt by the Police or something like that. I forget the exact title, but you can find it real easy. It's hysterical. Oh, boy. So she marries a black man, and this guy gets angry at her for not, uh, for not registering her license plates that they were expired or almost ready to expire. And he got very upset and told her that if a cop pulled them over, he could be killed. What a nitwit. Roth's opinions on racism are interesting because, and by the way, this is at TMZ.com. So they're saying her opinion is interesting. Ooh, you know what? Her opinion is freaking stupid. This woman is a moron. Her opinions on racism are interesting because, as you well know, Meghan and Harry claim a member of the royal family was concerned about Archie's skin color. That's the, that's their baby. Uh, his skin color might be too dark. No, no, no. That wasn't the case at all. They were interested and curious how dark skin the baby might be, as anybody would be. It had nothing to do with, with uh, ostracizing the child if he was too black. God, TMZ. Right, this is an idiotic website writing about two idiots. Roth, well, four idiots. <laughs> Harry and Meghan and uh, their, their new strategist, Roth, and her black husband. Oh, we could get pulled over and I'll be dead. God, can you imagine? Can you imagine driving around with that mentality? Now, nobody likes to get followed by the police, right? Because even if I'm doing nothing wrong, and I'm driving the speed limit, and I'm pulling up to a red light, and a police officer pulls up behind me, it's it's kind of nerve wracking. It's not horrible, but you think about everything you're doing. So imagine living in the mind of this idiot who thinks that all he has to do is get pulled over and the cops are going to shoot him dead for nothing. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just don't have patience for this kind of crap. Uh, another post on Twitter by Matt Walsh. And he gives the um, FBI homicide statistics. And he posts, uh, I don't know, three pictures here of uh, screen captures of homicide statistics. And he makes this statement. Here are the FBI homicide statistics. The majority of the victims of interracial homicide are white, and it's not even close. A black person is far, far more likely to kill a white person than the reverse. And again, it's not even close. Those are the facts, clear as day. The narrative that white men are continuing, are committing most of the violence or most of the race-based violence is completely false. Not even close to true. The reality is exactly the opposite of what we're told. Matt Walsh and um, his handle at Twitter is at Matt Walsh blog. 
Now then, you know that um, uh, uh, the potato in the White House, he can't handle what's happening at the border, obviously. He has no clue. He's taking his orders from Obama uh, or Obozo without question, and he's getting blamed. The potato is getting blamed. The potato in chief, the occupant in the White House, he's getting blamed for everything that's going wrong on the border. So he's turning over the border assignment and uh, working out the problems at the border to Vice President Kalama Lama Ding Dong. And Greta Van Susteren, said something here on Twitter that I've got to mention to you because this is it's so distressing when somebody says something like this she says the vice president gets the assignment that no one has been able to solve for decades let me read that again the vice president gets the assignment that no one has been able to solve for decades and, and Greta seems to be a nice person. I read her stuff on Twitter. And she does. She seems to be a nice person. But Greta, Donald Trump solved it. Trump solved it all. He had the border running the way it should be run. It was secure. And the people who wanted to come into the, into the United States were waiting south of the border in Mexico. And a lot of people from Central America didn't want to do that, so they stayed home. Trump had it solved. Maybe not 100%, but damn close. And now she comes along and says, oh, you know what, nobody's been able to solve this for decades. And now, now it goes to Kamala Lama Ding Dong, who has zero experience. In, in solving problems like this. None. She doesn't know any... She's going to have to negotiate with leaders of other countries. <laughs> it's like ask, asking Bozo the Clown. Hey, Bozo. We would like you to solve the problem at the border. And then somebody said, well, you know, she might be able to get world leaders to do what she wants if she does the same thing she did for Willie Brown that gave her a political career. It's just crazy. Absolutely nuts. Okay, now we got to go to, and I know I'm going over time. That's fine. We're going to do more than an hour, but I just don't feel, I'm not up for doing a whole second hour. But that's the way it's going here. We're going to end up doing two hours all the time because there's too much to talk about, and I don't like doing things half-assed. But uh, let me finish a couple of things here, and then we'll call it good for now. I think we started there with, uh, yeah, we started with that woman. Now, I'm only going through the stuff that I have saved on Facebook. I have 20 emails with things to go over. <laughs> 20. And I haven't even touched them. Okay. So, um, both the potato, potato in chief Biden and Kalama Lama Ding Dong have both called, this was, uh, in the past during their campaigns, both of them have called for government mandated AR 15 buybacks, government mandated AR 15 buybacks. Now I'm telling you, 
That's not going to happen for an, for a number of reasons. And uh, the first reason is I don't believe the courts. Well, first of all, this is not going to go through Congress because it'll never succeed through Congress. Biden is going to have to sign another executive order. I think executive order number 154. However many. I don't think he's done that many, but he's on his way. And he's going to sign an executive order. I don't know how aggressive it's going to be, but it may include this government-mandated AR-15 buyback, which would mean the government would give you a certain amount of time to turn in your firearm, your AR-15, and then we will, we will pay you money for that just to satiate you. Two reasons why this is not going to work. The courts are going to kick it out immediately. This is obviously against the Constitution. It goes against the Second Amendment. Now, they did something very similar to this in Australia, but they don't have a Second Amendment. So the courts will kick it out if it gets that far. The other thing that's going to happen, if the courts, for some reason, and I, I really don't expect this, but if the courts did not stop the potato and, and uh, Kamala Lama Ding Dong, then you've got real trouble because the American people are not going to hand over their firearms to the federal government. They're just not. That's not going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what would happen, but you're not going to have a great percentage of people complying. They're going to keep their firearms. And then some people are going to get arrested. But I'm telling you, it's not going to go over well. People are not going to voluntarily hand over their firearms. But I really don't think it's going to go that far because the courts so far have been very predictable as far as um, uh, defending the Second Amendment. Because the Second Amendment is very clear that you have a right to bear arms and that shall not be infringed. Okay, one more thing here and then we're going to close it off. This is at abcnews.go.com. Hang on to that COVID-19 vaccination card. It's important. The vaccine card might just be your, quote, ticket back to normalcy, one expert said. Proof of vaccination may allow us to begin resuming our normal activities in the near future. Now, I've been talking with a friend of mine at breakfast, as we do every weekend. But just last Saturday, we were talking about the fact that um, it's being eased in on the people slowly. It's like, a, it's like feeding a starving young bird with a, with a medicine dropper, just little tiny bits at a time. But they are going to make it, I believe, they are going to make it mandatory that you have a card that shows that you were vaccinated if you want to go to a concert, if you want to go to a sporting event, if you want to fly on, a, on an airliner, if you want to go on an ocean cruise, you're going to have to have that card. It's not going to come up tomorrow, but uh, listen to what they say here at uh, abcnews.com or abcnews.co.com. This was written yesterday, March 23rd. 
photos that display the COVID-19 vaccination card like a badge of honor have been making the rounds on social media for months. But the card is more than fodder for selfies. It could be your ticket to freedom in the coming months, so it should be protected as such. The precious paper card contains vital information, including the brand of the vaccine you received and the dates you were immunized. According to public health experts, it's crucial to keep that information handy in case you need it to prove your vaccination status or to streamline possible future booster shots. All of this over a virus with a 99.95% survival rate among those who get it. If you factor in all the people who don't get it or, or got something so mild they never even thought they had COVID-19, the survival rate would be 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999